Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red, on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess there's only one thing to say. All right, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. I am young Ari Golden. I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, what a great week. We are nine days away from football. Before we get into all the business, uh, make sure you guys go to Last Hand, Last Hand Hats for our hats. Go to their custom partners tab. Uh, we also have shirts. The David and the Johnson shirts are, um, are flying off the shelf. We actually had to change providers because they were not able to keep up with the fulfillment. Um, and in the end, we actually ended up getting a better design as well. So make sure you guys go check that out on the website. Go to TexansUnfiltered.com. Um, and check them out. They're amazing shirts. I am also going to be putting up kids' shirts uh, tomorrow. We also have our Positive Vibes Only t-shirts up. Uh, kickoff event, Kobo's Q, September 10th in Atascacita. There's already 75 people uh, RSVP to go, which means that there's likely to be at least 100 to 130 people there, as most people don't RSVP. It's crucial that you guys RSVP. Make sure you guys go to the Eventbrite uh, link in the description of the stream and of the podcast so that you guys can uh, RSVP because Kobo's needs to know how much food to prepare for. All right. Uh, and that's September 10th, 530, a going to be a live event, raffles, swag, merch, drinks, and your favorite Texans crew there to watch the opening game. And John Squares, he's going to talk to you guys this year. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to drink, too. Oh, okay. We're going to have more than three-quarters of a beer, so I think that may help. Jeez, look at that. All right. Uh, where you can find us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me at IamYoungAriGold. Uh, you can follow John at JohnAWade3 on Twitter. Don't forget to follow, obviously, all of the Texans Unfiltered team, Texans underscore thoughts, Patrick Storm TU, and our newest writer, uh, JRL Sports TX on Twitter as well. Uh, just take a minute to follow us. Make sure you guys hit the uh, like and subscribe button below. We really appreciate you guys. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. I'm telling you guys right now, you guys need to get in this week or next week for the um, the live reaction recap of the game every Sunday. It'll, it'll follow suit immediately after the game. We're going to go live. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the goods, the bads, and then you're going to get our emotional reaction. And then come Tuesday and Wednesday, you guys will be able to hear our more of a understanding, you know, a very professional look at the game and what, what we thought actually went wrong in a much better opinion. Uh, I think I nailed all of that within three minutes. We'll bring back the custom for Patreon. Oh, that'll be a little bit more raw. <laughs> for sure. Sub 7, I'm sorry. Peanut Butter 524, I'm sorry. And Harris Beard, I'm sorry. We were late. Um, John, what a week, man. It, it feels totally different, right? It's We're nine days away. There's rumors of Deshaun signing an extension, a three-year, $135 million extension. There's all sorts of things happening right now. Zach Cunningham got paid. Zach Cunningham got paid. He got that paper. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah, man, it's been a great week. Lots of news, lots of good things going on. Uh, we could have traded DeAndre Hopkins for Alvin Kamara. I can't believe we didn't see that coming. Uh, all sorts of different things happening throughout the week. We're going to finish our position group reviews uh, this week, uh, and then uh, we're going to go over the safeties. Uh, we get to talk about my favorite, my, one of my favorite players that nobody seems to be talking about unless it's in a blog. Uh, and then next week, boom! The Watson Cast! Wah, 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 Watson Cast! The annual episode that everybody is dying for, that everybody wants. Everybody is always counting down to the days of the Watson Cast. We're nine days away, and people are thinking that there's no Watson Cast this year. No, we wanted to give you guys the Watson Cast the week of the opening game because we want you guys to be ready for Deshaun Watson to drop everything that he can on the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, He's going to drop his we, nuts on their chest. <laughs> we, whenever we do the quarterback review that turns into the Watson cast, we go on and on and on, as we should. So this way you have really great Kool-Aid drinking, um, Kool-Aid drinking talk to listen to on your drive from wherever you are to Cobus Q to watch the game with us. That's right. Yep. Uh, also, big, big thing. This thing, I'm really excited about this, and I think I'm the only one at Texans Unfiltered that's excited about this. But you guys are going to get a separate podcast tomorrow morning, and it will be weekly. It's called Texans Bets. So we have a professional slash amateur uh, gambler who's been gambling for 25 years, who's a really close friend of mine, who's really good at what he does. We're going to give you Texans prop bets each week throughout the entire season. And the one... The biggest part about it is you cannot bet against the Texans. So every bet will go along with the Texans. Uh, so you guys can earn a little bit of money. So it's called Texans Bets. There's a cover art that will be in the podcast. You guys will be able to see that. Um, and, yeah, man, I'm super excited. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into it. There's so much. I'm, I'm in such a great mood. We had a great team meeting. It's always great, always good to have this. We don't have a Patreon recording tonight, which makes me feel good, even though I rushed to watch Ragnarok before our meeting. Um all right. Well, watching Ragnarok will always make you happy. It was so That's good. Such a great movie. It was such a great movie. It was better than I. It was. I've seen it so many times, but it is. It was so much better. Like usually when I throw it on, it's in the background, or you know, I saw it in theaters. But like today, I cooked dinner. We sat down before I took the kids swimming. I had to watch like the last thirty minutes to really pay attention. And man, it is such a great. It's such a great movie. Such a great movie. All right. Training camp. Uh, training camp. I'm just going to cut in. Zach Cunningham is already a top five linebacker, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would for the agree. job that he is asked to do, he definitely is. I would agree. Yeah, I would, and that's the answer. Harris Beard's question or comment or statement. Yeah, he's already there. We're not waiting for next year. No, he is there. Um, and we'll get into BMAC a little bit later because uh, it is one of the questions. But um, let's start with training camp. So there's one player that I think. One of our Texans unfiltered teammates couldn't be more excited about hearing all this praise. And it's catching a lot of people by surprise. It's not catching us by surprise, as Jordan's pretty much prepped us on on this. But uh, Jordan or Jacob Martin is getting so much praise this year. It's kind of insane. I'm really hoping this guy really ends up being something. He's talking about double-digit sacks. He's getting praise from Bill O'Brien. Anthony Weaver, this guy is getting talked about like crazy. Hey man, that was the uh, that was the bright spot in the trade from last year. Um, 
Again, if you listen to the podcast, uh, we've been on Jacob Martin since he came over. The kid has juice. The kid has added size. And then Texans Thoughts joins us, and, you know, just follow him for a couple of days. If you don't follow him, which I would be surprised about because you should, he's definitely one of the best followers in Texans Twitter. If Jacob Martin has put on enough weight to play every down, dude, Dude, just watch out. Uh, just watch out. He was number two in sack and pressure win rate last year. Number two. I've brought this set up before, and I'll bring it up again because it's just mind-blowing when you sit there and you think about it. And the only thing that kind of held him back was just opportunities. Yeah, he was number two on limited opportunities. So what? If he drops down to number 12, that's still double-digit sacks. He drops down to top 20 in win rate. That's still double-digit sacks if he has the opportunity to do so. Yes, we should be excited about him. The coaches are obviously excited about him. Like, yeah, it's he's going to be fun. He's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there's another person that I wanted to talk about. Um, you sent me the notes, but maybe they just ended up not updating as I'm seeing the same thing from last week. Is it the one that says 2020 at the end? Says eight nine one twenty. Should say twenty twenty at the end. I see eight twenty five twenty and nine one twenty. It says you're shared. Hmm. I don't have. Uh, I'll just put it. I'll put it in chat so you can click it. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't know what happened. Uh, are you putting it in uh, our general? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, so tons. I mean, there's so many other players though that are. Um, are being talked about in camp. It's really been exciting. It's obviously a little bit of a different, um, you know, a different type of season. But when you have people being talked about, it's just nice to hear. Uh, all right, so cuts will began. Uh, we cut Albert Huggins. We cut Alex Magoo. And we cut – who's the other one? We're missing one. The uh, quarterback Huggins and the linebacker um, Bates yeah, from Bates. That's right, Bates. Um it's going to be pretty crazy to see how they sprinkle in these because we have another scrimmage on Wednesday. So I wouldn't expect to see too many cuts until probably Thursday, Friday. They have to be down to their uh, roster size by Saturday. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. You know what sucks about this season and us cramming so many different things into what we were trying to accomplish this year is we didn't get to our, like, roster predictions we didn't like. We always do that every year. We always we always go through the roster and do full on. You know, our we do a line by line. And well, this year is also weird because of the COVID rules and the changes to the practice squad. There's only about seven to eight players that they'd really be in danger of not bringing back. Well, and then um, on top of that, we also just add Jordan, add Jair, Pat. Just changes internally too. We were trying to find our flow, our mojo. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you want to, do you want to take a guess at the guys that you think that they're just going to let go or? No. No. Okay. No. Fair enough. Um, I'm trying to think. What else do we have? Um, so, okay. So let's get into the safeties. So we've done every single position group so far, um, this season or this off season. The only group we have left is our safeties, which there's one player 
that I'm excited about, and I've been excited about for two years, but I think this is the year that he finally gets his shot. We'll talk about him in a minute. Obviously, we'll start at the top with Justin Reed. Um, John, what are your expectations for Justin this year? Justin Reed, you know, here's kind of the thing. It's kind of hyperbole to say that we have a great player at every single position. Um, We always try to look at what they can do in a positive manner. But this is one guy that I don't think that we can talk high, high enough about. Justin Reed, the only reason he's being overlooked is there is a lot of very talented safeties out there in the NFL, especially in the FC right now. There really is. Um, however, Justin Reed is an absolute beast. When it came out that he had surgery on both of his shoulders after, the, after last year, and the only reason he didn't lead our team in tackling is because he has a monster in front of him in Zach Cunningham, like, you really cannot say enough good things about Justin Reed, and that's the first thing that Weaver said when talking about the secondary. we got Reed back there. This is a guy that when they talk about their responsibilities, they refer to him as the enforcer. And then when you hear him talk, he is the most articulate. He understands football in a manner. He understands everything in a manner. There's a reason why he went to Stanford. Like, the kid is just flat-out smart, and he's going to be the anchor that our defense is built around. He really is. Um, it used to be your middle linebacker, but in today's NFL, with the way that everybody likes to play vertically, um, it's, it really is your safety. And notice I'm not going to say strong safety or free safety. It is one of your safeties that really takes charge, and that is Justin Reed. Yeah, Justin, you know, his rookie year was really like when he came on. Last year, he didn't necessarily have a down year. He was more productive statistically, but he just didn't look himself. You know, they had him playing in the box. It was more of a Tyron Matthew type of role. Uh, I think they realized that that's just not – he could do it, but it's not where he's going to thrive. I, I'm hoping to see more single high safety um, from Justin as he has the, the lateral quickness to be able to do it. He has the range, um, and I just think it make, makes more sense. As And on top of that, I don't know if there's another safety on here. Maybe A.J. Moore. We haven't seen enough of them yet to really say that um, that uh, that it could be AJ. And then you know Eric Murray, where is he going to play? Is he going to be in the box? There's so many different things. Um, That's what's interesting about Eric Murray. Um, I know you and Texans thoughts, and granted, I'm kind of slacking because there's not a lot of tape out there on him. So I just looked up his college scouting reports. He, and even his own words in his interviews, he had, let's see, he had not the best measurables at the combine. He was drafted as an outside corner. They determined that he was too slow and too short to play outside. And then he came, they moved him over to kind of like this hybrid role, hybrid corner safety type role. Um, And if you look at his scouting report, absolutely identical to Andre Hall. So that's kind of the role that I think the Texans imagine him being, the ball hawk, kind of in the back. He can cover when he needs to. He can roll over and just kind of, you know, go go get the ball. Um, that's what I'm hoping. His own words has kind of, in his own words, he says that he's a coverage safety, that Justin Reed is the enforcer. He's the cover guy. So that's how he sees himself. Granted, this is one of those where – if you look at the breakdown that Texans Thoughts put up, and if you even played with him on Madden, one of the things that they really highlight is how 
good of a tackler he is. Like he closes space quickly and he's able to and he's able to tackle. So he's interesting. I think that he's in my personal opinion, again, I haven't watched as much tape, I've just watched the breakdowns. I think that he's an Andre Hall that tackles a little bit better. And maybe not quite the ball hawk. And we'll see if that can actually develop if he actually has playing time. He's also another guy that was a fantastic special teams player. So, you know, we load up on safeties that can play special teams and play safety. Uh, that's not really a bad thing. No, I mean, look, you need tacklers. Uh, you need your safety to be able to do it. I trust him sitting in his zone. I don't want him playing, um, you know, playing man-to-man. Uh, maybe unless he's playing in the slot. It looks like he was doing okay uh, in Kansas City when he did play in the slot. Uh, but, you know, uh, Eric Murray's really pretty much an unknown. Um, there, there's there's no way until we see him on the field to understand what's going to happen. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Justin Reed playing single high. Um, so maybe it's going to be one of those things where it's like a, a role reversal, depending on the scheme, depending on who they're playing. Maybe they'll, fl- maybe they'll switch responsibilities. We've seen that a lot with this team over the last two years with safeties, is you don't really, they don't want one safety that's good at doing one thing. They kind of want to bunch of safeties that are good at doing all sorts of things. So that could also just be, you know, a lack of having that, you know, that type of safety. So, um, but we'll see. All right, A.J. Moore. A.J. Moore has been the camp star. I think it's finally time. I'm glad he's getting the 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 the, the, uh, the praise he's receiving. He's been a player in camp for the last two years. He's made plays in the regular season. But right now he's really taking camp by storm. And I hope, I hope he's, not because I don't think Eric Murray's good, but I just think that A.J. Moore has the potential to be better. A.J. Moore, I'm hoping, can push to eventually take that second safety spot next to Justin Reed over the next, you know, three to four weeks, to be honest with you. John, I can't hear you. A.J. Moore is a guy that the Texans have been very, very high on. Um, Last year, the Cowboys actually tried to trade Taco Charlton for him. Um, he was a guy that even a lot of us out here, not us specifically, but a lot of the talking heads and a lot of the Twitter experts thought that A.J. Moore for Taco Charlton was actually a fair, a fair trade, and the Texans did turn that down. I, that has been confirmed. That was what was offered, and it just, you know, didn't go anywhere. The Texans wanted more, whereas the Cowboys thought that Taco was the better player. The Texans thought that A.J. was the better player. And look who's right. A.J., he's an absolute beast. He goes out there on special teams, and he's the special teams leader. Like, he, as many players as they've brought in specifically to play special teams, he's the one that leads these special teamers and tackles. He's the one that's always out there. And last year, I think he would have taken a step up into the defense, except he missed quite a bit of practice time dealing with some concussions. And if those concussions, and I believe also an ankle injury, don't happen, maybe he elevates himself. And I think that's part of the reason why they didn't spend a bunch of money on safety. Granted, I mean, Murray's contract's pretty legitimate. But they believe with A.J. Moore there's something, and with him and Murray, that it should him, Murray, and Reed, they should have a, a three-safety rotation. And I hope so. I mean, that's usually when our defense has played the best is when we've had the strongest safety play. And this is the most unsure I've ever felt about any position group. Um, 
other than offensive line the past two years? Is our safety play going into this year? Because Reed is a beast, but he's one person. So who's who's the other guy going to be? I think it's going to be A.J. Moore. I think he's finally going to get a shot. You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my, what's going to happen is, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys paid Eric Murray you know, an average of $6.5 million a year to let A.J. Moore be the starter opposite Justin Reed. Look, shit happens. Things change. Like, you, you'd rather have a player that you have an out for the following year in case A.J. Moore doesn't end up being that guy. You want to be prepared for every situation that possibly comes your way. Um, so there will be a, a ton of smoke Bob's way with the Eric Murray contract, and that's fine. He deserves it. He, Eric Murray, didn't. he's never justified the type of contract that he received from us. Only way that that can go away is if he comes in and plays well and is the starter opposite of Justin Reed and plays extremely well. Outside of that, I would love to see A.J. Moore do it, but that's just me. All right, let's get to the other two. Michael Thomas, I mean, pretty much like he's like one of – he's like a Matthew Slater type of, of guy throughout the league. Highly respected, vocal leader, um, is able to just get – like he's just a captain, right? But the, the guy that you want. Michael Thomas, I don't know if he's going to play much safety for us. I think he's really more of like the leadership type. That's why he was brought in. Keep the special teams together. Brad Seeley stepping down new special teams coordinator, have Michael Thomas come in and really kind of help lead that special teams. Might get some snaps here and there, uh, maybe in dime, but I don't expect a lot of Michael Thomas as a safety. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't disagree with you. Um, he's very highly regarded. Um, when they brought him in, they said that he could play, but let's be honest, when you look at what he's done, he's he is a plus-plus special teams player. As much as they've invested in special teams, the Texans really should end up with one of the special best special teams units in the entire NFL. And Michael Thomas and A.J. Moore are going to lead the way on that. And you know what? I'm, just, I'm actually just a fan of Michael Thomas. You watch any of his, um, his press conferences. You watch how he talks to the media. You watch how he speaks to reporters. Just go look up a couple of them. Um, He's just a great guy to listen to. I think that he's there for veteran leadership and just another solid player on special teams. If he plays, if he plays in our big dime, maybe that'll happen, but I, I believe it'll be rare. Yeah, I, I do too. All right, let's talk about the other one, Jalen Watkins. You know, played more corner than he has anywhere else. Uh, he's lined up at safety a couple times for the Chargers. Uh, I, you know, I haven't watched – I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched a ton of Jalen Watkins tape. I really honestly don't know what he brings. Uh, Charger fans were upset that he left. Uh, but I honestly – I can't say. I don't I don't know. I'm assuming he's going to be the fourth safety. Well, prior to us signing him, the best thing that I knew him for was being Sammy Watkins' um, little brother. I mean – Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. He's fast. He's very, very fast. He's kind of a tweener. He's not really a safety. He's not really a corner. However, he's a true tweener, as in he's not really good at either one. He has the straight line speed to play corner, but he doesn't have the shuffle speed, and he doesn't really have the size to play safety. Granted, he's only about five pounds lighter than the rest of our safety group, but five pounds in the NFL is quite a bit, because usually with those guys, it's muscle. Um, So that's five pounds of muscle. A little less. However... The thing that I do like to always judge is what do other fan bases think when the player leaves? And the Chargers fans were definitely 
disappointed. He's the guy that they kind of pinned as being able to take another step forward. Now, granted, I really don't think that he was going to drop in and he was going to play safety for him. However, a lot of their fan base actually thought that he could. So that is saying something. He must do something to endear himself to the fans like that. Yeah, supposedly he's really good on special teams, too. Um, so, you know, another guy that we can't really can't count out on special teams. Who knows what the special teams unit's going to look like? Uh, is there potentially going to be a third running back uh, that is brought in and uh, Buddy Howell is out? Does that mean that you're going to need other players to step up? Uh, that third running back is Leonard Fournette. Is that a possibility? I can't I, look like I I can't get behind Fournette because of the special teams, but I can also get behind Leonard Fournette because we don't have another running back on the roster that could potentially be that. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll get into Leonard Fournette in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean the safety group. Look with Justin, you're good. You just need to find that second guy. I want it to be AJ Moore. I'm fine if it's Eric Murray. I really don't care who it is, as long as we can find a guy and stop playing secondary sh- or safety shuffle every year. I want to have two safeties that we can at least pair with – another safety to pair with Justin for at least the next five to six years. Yeah, I believe that safeties are kind of similar to offensive line. Granted, they're not playing right next to each other, but because they are the last line of the defense, literally the safety valves up top, they need to know where the other guy's at. And I believe that – requires chemistry. We kind of saw that at times with um, Kareem Jackson and Honey Badger. When they were both playing safety for us, they seemed a little lost at times. Now, granted, there could be different reasons for that, but that's what would concern me about having the revolving door right next to Justin Reed. Yeah, oh, I would agree. Uh, all right, let's get to – that's pretty much it with safeties. Yeah. Right, let's uh, take a quick – Awesome. All right. Uh, all right, so let's get into our, our schedule. So on our schedule release show, John said 10-6, and six, but said outside the opening stretch could fall into 11-5. and five. I said 11 and five and was confident about it. Jordan 10 and six could be persuaded to 11 and five, but thinks Bob could cost a game or two. Let me pull up the schedule one more time so we can go through this, as there are some things that have changed for me about who our opponents are. So we'll go through them game by game. I want to see everybody in the chat put W or L for each team that I say. So opening week. Opening season game, Texans versus Chiefs, Thursday, September 10th. I do think that the Texans pull off the upset against the Chiefs. So I will say win. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with that one. Okay. Deshaun plays better under bright lights. Um, first game of the season, I think that the new offense coordinator will have a couple of tricks up his sleeves. And the Chiefs are going to come in expecting to play the same team that they, you know, embarrassed during the divisional round. And we are not the same team. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with a W. However, I'm kind of afraid. I think we'll beat them once, and then we'll have to play them again later on, you know, in the playoffs. But we'll, we'll get into that. That's that's a rich man's problem. We'll get, get to that another time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, the reason why I think we win, I think, one, um, definitely the chip on their shoulder from the um, divisional round. 
I think also the players just have more motivation. They know that they've been the the talk of of the town since the off season with um, with DeAndre being traded and everything else that's happened. Um, you know, when I talked to Brandon Dunn, I asked him specifically about the narrative that Deshaun Watson can't succeed without DeAndre Hopkins, and he immediately basically laughed at it. Um, by the way, Brandon Dunn interview will be out tomorrow on YouTube at 1 p.m. Um, I, I, I think there's just too much motivation for this team. If there's any game they're going to get up for, it's going to be this one. It's the opener. They're celebrating their, their Super Bowl win. You know, the Chiefs are that night. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just see it happening. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. I think the Chiefs will end up being great because that's just who they are. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't see us losing that game. All right. Ravens, Texans the following week. I do have this one as a loss. Drop your wins or losses in the cat comments category or comment section. Um, I just the Ravens. I just don't think we have enough speed on defense to keep up with uh, Lamar Jackson. I'll be honest. I, I just can't. I can't see it. I, I just can't. And their defense has gotten better. Um, they have great. They have three great corners. Really, they have four great corners. Um, I, I can't see us beating that team. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Here, here's the thing: if we beat the Chiefs, we're going to lose to the Ravens. If we lose to the Chiefs, I think we beat the Ravens. And part of that is because Bill O'Brien has struggled to put together back-to-back defining wins. Whenever we get one big win, it's almost like the team's emotionally exhausted, and then they completely poop the bed the next week. However, if they come out and get embarrassed, they usually bounce back. It's a little bit of the team reflecting Bill O'Brien's personality. When they get slighted, when they get punched in the mouth, that's usually when they play the best. Yeah, I just so – here's what I think. I don't think we're going to lose like we did last year. I do think we're going to be competitive. I think it will be a game. Uh, I just don't know if – I just don't – like, I don't know if we can string together two monumental wins. Here's what happens. If we beat the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Vikings, then that means the season is going to be canceled. Yeah. There's going to be a COVID, there's going to be a COVID breakout, NFL-wide. The pandemic is going to increase tenfold, and there will be no season. That's the only way we start off 4-0. <laughs> All right. We start off 4-0. Like, the way our, our schedule – opens up after that, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, COVID's going to happen because it's Houston. Or something's going to happen. There's going to be another hurricane or there's going to be a flood. There's no way we're starting out 4-0. No. No. So let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Steelers. Steelers. Uh, so at first I was like, oh, you know what, Big Ben, eh, no big deal. But then I've been listening and, and listening about their team, and I haven't followed them a ton, and I'll be the first to, to say. But then I remembered last year their defense was really, really good. They, had they were ridiculously really good. Defense. And, you know, when Big Ben's healthy, that offense moves. And so I don't, I don't think we'll have back-to-back losses. So I think we end up winning. We either win this game or the Vikings game. It's one or the other. Huh? I think we have a better chance against the Vikings – so I guess we end up going, we start off the season one and two, losing to Pittsburgh. Losing to Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
No, we're gonna we're gonna beat Pittsburgh. Okay. I've got it the opposite. We're gonna beat Pittsburgh, but we're gonna lose to the Vikings. Okay. Why? Um. Partly because that Vikings defense is terrifying. Um. Is it? I mean, I don't I don't I don't really trust Kirk Cousins. So, like, the Vikings' offense doesn't scare me. We can keep up with them. But their defense, the defense is a little spooky. Um, Now, saying that, I don't really think it's going to be the Vikings that beat us. I think this will be one of those those classic Texans games where we just beat ourselves. It's going to be one of the games that we have absolutely no reason to lose, and we're going to just this is the game that I'm going to circle that that's going to happen. Because it's one of those, right, and I agree, the Steelers' D is better than the Vikings, but with with Roethlisberger coming back, and I don't trust defenses to win any games this year, but the reason I say the Vikings game, their defense is scary, is there's more of a puncher's chance, and I think Zimmer's a, a really great defensive coach, but it's not really so much a reflection of the Vikings. Like, this game, to me, just feels like one of those games that, you know, Bill O'Brien screws up. Okay. Pittsburgh doesn't have enough on offense to scare me, even with a healthy Roethlisberger. Like, they just don't. The Vikings have just enough on offense that we get behind, and it's just one of those games that kind of compounds mistakes. And the style of defense they play is very similar to Carolina, uh, the way that they were able to fluster Deshaun last year. Um, So that's what I see. Okay. Uh, I think we beat the Vikings. Um, You know, I know they added Ngakwe. They, you know, they have Harrison Smith, Daryl Hunter. Um, But I just, outside of that, their cornerbacks are toast. Um. I, I don't um, – the defense of the Vikings doesn't scare me the way that um, that the defense for the Steelers do. And the reason why is because the Steelers can manufacture – like, they got TJ, they got um, Steven Tewitt. Like, they have a good defensive line. They have good linebacking play. Uh, their corners were fine. Minka Fitzpatrick was amazing last year. Um, I think that's probably why. I think, one, I don't trust Kirk Cousins. Two, I don't – that secondary for the Vikings is not going to be able to hold our wide receivers. There's just no way. It's impossible. And I think part of that, though, in my head, is also it's four games in. One or two of our receivers is going to be nursing something. Okay, well, we're not doing that right now. We're not doing that. <laughs> we're not even I, having that, that conversation That right game now. gives me a feeling, and it's not really – again, it just goes back to ultimately, yes, the Steelers have a better defense. However, defense isn't going to win. The Vikings have more on offense, and even with Roethlisberger, it's the Pittsburgh doughboy at this point. He's not really Roethlisberger anymore. He doesn't have the weapons that he used to have. I mean, granted, Juju just had a bad year, but they don't have – it's not the killer bees. They don't have the same depth on offense. Pittsburgh doesn't scare me the way the Vikings do, and the Vikings will be well coached, and – The Vikings, sorry, the Vikings will be well coached, and they'll do just enough, and we'll be just banged up enough. Okay, when is the draft, John? Tell Cody to open his app. There's a countdown on it. What about Alex, our Patreon? They're if they're in the league, then the draft has a countdown on it. 
It's literally counting down the seconds. You can go just open up the, the app. Let me read it. Jeez. Oof. Sorry, Alex. He's not in a good mood right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I didn't. I'm not. It's not pointed towards Alex. It's pointed towards Cody. <laughs> should, should we get into the Rockets now, or do you want to wait till Jordan's here? All right, we'll wait. Uh, we'll wait. Four days, now 22 hours, here. 22 minutes, <laughs> and 40 seconds. All right, uh, let's continue the schedule predictions. Uh, then we go on to Jacksonville. That's a dub. Everybody drop W's throughout. I should see 100 W's right now at least. That is a W. Oh, for the Jaguars? Alex yes. says he's not in the league. Yes, yes, yes. He needs to be added to the league. Uh, we'll talk about that. Alex, we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Uh, we'll figure it out, Alex. All right. Uh, Jaguars, Titans, www.titanslose.com. Yes. I, I can't Titans see, lose. I can't see anybody. I can't see us losing to the freaking Titans. Uh, all right, Titans. Packers. Actually, I think the Packers are going to take a major step back. I think Aaron is mentally in his own head with this quarterback thing. I don't think he's a fan of Lafleur. I don't think the Packers are going to be anything worthwhile this year. I think we'll actually take that dub as well. So a dub against the Green Bay Packers. Oh, I just want to beat the Packers because it's my brother's favorite team. Okay. I have no idea why he's a Packers fan. He shouldn't be a Packers fan. It's not like, you know, we've ever even been north of the Mason-Dixon line. But he's a Packers fan. So, yeah, the Texans are going to are going to beat them. And Aaron Rodgers is in his own head. They messed they, – he was already in his own head last year, and he did not have an Aaron Rodgers type season last year. They somehow made it to the NFC Championship game, and almost in spite of Aaron Rodgers. Now, this season's going to go one of two ways for him. Everything in that offense, Matt LaFert's offense, is just going to click – and he's going to light the world on fire, or he's going to do Aaron Rodgers things and not want to listen to the new coach, just like he didn't listen to McCarthy, McCarthy, and the Packers will win in spite of him a lot of games, but not really be the force that they could be. And I actually think that that's what's going to happen because I, of the way the draft went out. I think they don't have any weapons outside of Devontae Adams, and um, I, I, I mean – it's not he, – they've done nothing to support Aaron Rodgers weapon-wise for, like, the last three years. So, all right. Uh, then we go to the Jags again. Uh, that's 100 Ws in the comment section right there. There's no way we're losing to the Jags with Gardner Minshew and literally the rebuild nation in Jacksonville. Granted, I do want to talk a little bit about Gardner because he keeps getting this uh, reputation as a gunslinger. If you've listened to our podcast, he's not. He's Case Keenum with a better better agent, essentially. He's he's better at creating this narrative that he's this wild and crazy gunslinger. He's a check-down Charlie, weak-armed. He just has this persona. That's it. So Minshew magic, it's not really a real thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, beat the Jags. Uh, oh, the game I've, I'm, I have circled. The Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Baker Mayfield and the prostitute found in his trunk. Woo! I cannot wait for that game. Baker Mayfield is trash. That team is going to be better, though, because I do think that they have talent. I think they have a competent head coach. Uh, But I do not think Baker is a great quarterback. 
that is a W. Oh, no doubt. And we're this is going to be fun. Like that that week going up to the Browns game. If you haven't realized it, we have taken it on as our personal mission to make the Browns a rival. Um, like we are going to do everything we can to aggravate their fan base. We're going to do we're going to make that week fun. And it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to stop them. They are going to be a better team than they were last year. However, big however, I'd almost place money that Baker isn't even the starting quarterback at that time. Oh, I don't know if I'll go that far. But I agree with, with Cody here, though. There's a good chance. You know we're due for one of these, so it's going to have to be one, and we'll have to figure out which one that is. Um, and, Cody, I'm glad you're coming to the event on, uh, on at Cobos Q. Can't wait to meet you in person. All right, Patriots, Texans. I think we lose this one. I do. I think we lose this one. And, and the only reason is because I, I just – there's something about Cam Newton and Bill Belichick that scare me. I don't know what it is specifically. I don't know what I, – I, I don't know what it is. But – Cam Newton being humble and a different person, personality-wise, and the way he's—I just—I don't know. I don't know, man. Cam Newton and the Patriots scare me, and I know everybody's writing them off, and I think that's probably why everybody thinks that they're going to suck, that they've had so many opt-outs, and then I just, in the back of my head, I know for a fact that he's going to pull it together because that's what he does. I agree with you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I agree with you because it's Cam Newton. Cam Newton is not washed, and it's Bill Belichick. Yep. And, you know, we we say it's the water boy moment with Bill O'Brien and Belichick, and he finally got his revenge, and I think that's going to play on Belichick. I just – I'm actually more afraid of the Patriots of Cam Newton than last year with Tom Brady. See, so that was my next point, because Cody brings up that never count out Belichick, but Cam doesn't scare me anymore. If, if, he, if Belichick can get what he got out of Brady with 40, at 42, I honestly believe that Belichick is going to give Cam his best season at 31. I really do. I really think that Cam is, is going to be – he may not have the arm that he had – he may be somewhat regressed in that, in his athletic ability. But I think if there's one coach in this league that's going to be able to extend Cam's career, it's going to be Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, look at what Belichick did with uh, with uh, the running biscuit, brisket, um, Jacoby Brissett. What do you think he's going to do with Cam? And, and the funny thing about that is Jacoby and Cam are built almost identical, really big guys, mobile, and very strong. So I don't know. I, I'm going to take that one as an L. Uh, all right, Texans-Lions. Okay, so I actually have the Lions being really good this year. Uh, I think they win that division. And I think we beat the Lions. Oh, I'm, yeah, we're beating the Lions. Okay. Uh, I, I agree, they're going to be better, but we're, we're beating the Lions. Yep, okay. Uh, Colts, Texans. See, this is, this is, Colts scare me, man. Colts scare me. Colts, Colts are the one team in the AFC South that worry me about anything. 
uh, Matt Eberflus, the coaching staff, the defensive coordinator over there, Frank Wright. Um, I do think Phillip Rivers has enough in the tank to be able to give them a season. Uh, they have weapons. The defense has gotten better. And from a coaching perspective, they're 100 times better than the Texans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to go one and one against the Colts because that's what we do. That's just what we do. This is also my baby's due date. So I'm not going to watch it. So that's a good one for me to lose. Okay. Oh, hopefully I do still get to watch it. Uh, so I think he's, I, not gonna, he's not going to be born on Sunday. So lost to the Patriots, win on the Lions, lost to the Colts, go to the Bears, that's a W. We're going to split with the Colts, so we'll beat the Colts. Bengals, W, another rest week. We lose this game in, against the Titans because we rest all of our starters. So that gives us one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven and five. I'm going eleven and five. I'm doing my math just to make sure. I've got five losses for me. Five losses for you. Four losses for Chat. Chat only has four losses. Interesting. So Chat thinks they're going twelve and four. Ooh. Yep. Chat thinks they're going twelve and four. They think we're beating the Patriots. And Chat also believes we are beating the Steelers. And they've got us for a loss at the Vikings and a lot one loss at the Colts. Granted. Either they've got us going thirteen and three or twelve and four because I kind of get I kind of assume that they're splitting the Colts just like we are. Hmm. I mean, if we go twelve and four, that means we're getting a buy, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, twelve and four would be amazing. Eleven and five, I think, would be great. Um, would that be? No, wait. Bill O'Brien's won eleven games before, right? Last he has. Time. Yeah, last he time. has. I mean, back-to-back 11-win seasons would be pretty great. I want to. However, sure I that. was under the impression that uh, that Hopkins was worth four wins. Well, it's funny so don't we have to track four wins now? Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to. Hi, Jordan. Oh Lord, sorry. I had both the streams up and five people were talking. I was very Whoa. confused. All right, how you guys doing? Great. Except it's all like zoomed in, super close. There we go. That looks better. All right, uh, Jordan. We're ta- we wanted to give you a chance to uh, to go back on your schedule predictions. You have them at ten or ten and six. Could be persuaded for eleven and five, but thinks Bob uh, costs us a game or two. Are you sticking with ten and six? I don't. When did I make that prediction? Like, did any big roster happen since then? Yeah, when that we did the schedule release, everything happened. <laughs> Everyone's already done. Okay, so. Well, now that now that all the Jacob Martin praise has been out there, <laughs> that he's the goat, Bill O'Brien knows it. Now we're going sixteen and zero. I gotta revise it. You know? Yeah. Um, one that I know you had as a loss was the um, was the Ravens. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Vikings, the Chiefs. I want to say the Patriots. I don't. I. I don't remember whatsoever, to be honest with you, but there's definitely going to be one of those games where 
it's either the Patriots game, the Bears game, or a, a, a team that we should beat. It just happens. It happens to every team every year, and you just have to factor that in. So that's that's what I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm realistically, I'll stick with ten and six, eleven and five, depending on. Here's why I think they go eleven and five because the Rockets are going to lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder in Game Seven tomorrow, and it's a Ooh, sacrifice. That's not hurt. It's a sacrifice so that the Texans can go. <laughs> so that the Texans can go eleven and five. And if they don't, then they'll be dropped by the Lakers in the next round, so it doesn't even matter. All right. Um, Jordan, question and answers. Man, I don't even know who put up that uh, that subscribe animation. <laughs> Which one of you guys That was John. He does it every time oh, I talk shit about the Whatever Rockets. Whatever you guys start talking about the Rockets, because you're going to just make me sad. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, I'm doing any talk until the, season, until the series is over. That's how I do it, but anyways. All right, get into the Q&A. Ask me questions on Twitter um, from at Fire Bill O'Brien, weekly listener and, and questioner. He says, you guys have already said in the podcast that you don't expect the defense to be good early in the season. Is there anything that they do early in the season that completely takes away all the optimism that you guys might have about the defense? So, James, like we've always, we, all three of us have said, like the defense is probably going to start off slow, but we expect it to get better. Maybe around the bye, maybe after a couple weeks. Um, what do you, what do you think would kind of just take away all that optimism about us seeing that growth? What would take away, like what would make us think that there is going to be that they aren't going to ramp up, basically that the defense is going to be trash? I'm kind of confused by the question. Yeah, yeah. So he says, is there anything that they do early in the season that completely takes away all the optimism oh, that okay. you guys might have? Yeah, if JJ Watt isn't JJ Watt, and if the if we can't manufacture a pass rush, really for me that's the biggest thing. Um, if we can manufacture a pass rush or at least see signs of different schemes and blitzes that make us feel comfortable that there are going to be sacks or at least quarterback hurries, then I'll feel better. But until we see that, there should be no optimism, in my opinion, on this defense. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And then the other points I would say is the cornerback position. The one thing that's kind of worried me about camp is Gary on Conley. And as much as James and I love him and everyone at TU loves him, He's been a little rusty from his ankle surgery, and that's to be expected because it happened so soon. He just got cleared, and, and cornerback, especially the way that Gary and Conley plays cornerback, you need your your feet to be like – you can't have any lack of confidence in them. And we're seeing that even on the few highlights that are being put out there. So that worries me. If Lonnie Johnson's not ready on the outside, that worries me as well. Um, but then the main thing is if Jacob Martin's not starting by like week four, I don't got no confidence. I don't got no confidence at all. <laughs> Gary Conley, I don't think people are talking enough about that injury, and I don't think people realize like how significant it really could impact this team. Like, if you just watch the scrimmage play with that touchdown on Kenny Stills, like you you could see it after the play the way he's walking. Yeah. It, it's gingerly; he's not trusting that ankle yet. There's a good chance that that continues through the next nine days. Like, I, I don't see a way for Gary Conley to be able to play corner the way he plays corner without having that ankle in the in a position where he's trusted and is confident that it's going to be able to hold up. So that's something to watch. I would agree. For sure. Um, all right. And to the next question, before I do, Harris Beard, yes, I do approve the profile pick. That's fire. Um, again, from Fire Bill O'Brien, what do you think is the future of the defense? What do you think is the future of this defense if it completely sucks again? Do you see a big roster change on that side? 
Or could you see Bill O'Brien giving Weaver another shot with close to the same group of guys? What are you thinking, John? Wait, do I know? Do you want me to clarify? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Basically, if if the defense is in the bottom of the league yet again after this season, do you see Bill O'Brien blowing it up, looking for some big pieces, looking for a new defensive coordinator, or do you think we're going to stick with Weaver, stick with our guys, stick with the internal development? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Anthony Weaver is not going to have the best defense this year. We've, we've already established that, and that's a very polite way of me saying that it's probably going to be bottom third of the league. Yeah. However, it's going to show flashes. The only way that Weaver is gone is if the entire entire season they look completely lost. We already know for a fact that they are transitioning from gap control to, to attacking gaps. Like they, there's already transitions going on there. There's transitions in the secondary. Now, our cornerback group has been stable, which for a group that has a lot of potential but hasn't really, um, you know, lived up to that potential, there's always that risk that if you're not seeing developments, things could happen. But, yeah, Weaver, he's not going to get fired after one year. He's just not. There's already enough built-in excuses Unless Bill O'Brien gets fired. Mm. And if Bill O'Brien gets fired, yeah, he's gone. But never say never, but you've got to have a lot of things go wrong for that to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. It would really take an entirely new regime change because you never see someone just getting one year uh, of a chance, especially if it's your own homegrown guy. If Bill O'Brien had hired some random dude out of – Mississippi State, I don't know, and then didn't like him, then yeah, sure, I can see him being gone, but that's his guy. He's handpicked. Don't see him going anywhere. Um, as for, for that position. Like that, this isn't something that just happened overnight. They have been yeah. grooming him for that position. As for kind of the roster side of it, I think Bill O'Brien is always going to be aggressive. I think he's taken a, a shot, at least like asked around about all the big name defensive free agents this year, about Clowney, about um, Griffin, about he was interested in Ngakwe apparently, um, reportedly. So I think he's always going to be aggressive, and he knows that pass rush like what he's only getting older, and he wasn't the biggest fan of the Merck deal. So I think they will look to add another pass rusher in the future. But there's also a lot of homegrown talent that they believe in. So. I wouldn't expect to be everyone to be gone or something crazy like that. Um, but from the next one from at Report Texans, he says, it's, is BMAX time in Houston over after this season? If so, do you see us drafting a linebacker early to play alongside Cunningham for the future? James? You know, I don't know. Um, it, it, I think it all depends on kind of what Deshaun's contract looks like. I think, you know, I think there's ways for them to find a way to keep Bernardrick at least for another season. Um, I'd like to if we don't have a replacement, but, you know, looking at draft capital, I don't know if they're going to be able to grab another guy to pair with Bernardrick McKinney long term. I also don't think people realize how, like, impactful Bernardrick McKinney is, especially in this upcoming season with DJ Reader gone. Um, Bernardrick's going to play a big role in the run game and run defense. So, I, 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 you know, I can see that there's a chance. I can see that there's a chance that he might be traded this season. I think there's a possibility. Uh, if the right offer comes our way. But I wouldn't count on that yet. Yeah, I think, obviously, like you said, we can't pay two linebackers like that, two predominantly run-stuffing linebackers like that. And 
Mac, while he's not as horrible in coverage as I thought, he's still not very good whatsoever. Um, and there's not really a way that he can really get better at that. He's just, that's not the athlete that he is. Um, but what I do love, like you said, is run stuffing. Also, he's the quarterback of the defense, which goes so long. And maybe they're grooming Zach for that role, but we don't know. We can't tell. And that takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot more thinking. And Zach's a guy who's, he's more of a reactionary guy. And you don't want him to be thinking and doing all that stuff and making his job harder. So I don't know. I, I genuinely, I think they're looking to move BMAC, but he's also a hard guy to, to move because he's getting paid that much. Yeah. All right. From at Cody Johnson, a friend in the chat, um, JW Football Talk. He says, here's one. Was David Johnson a major selling point for OB in the hop trade, or was it solely the second-round pick and DJ was more of an add-on? John? Uh, to my understanding, is originally it was the second-round pick. That was second-round pick and... Not necessarily DJ, but a different player, and then it got changed slightly. So the Texans actually had to put another pick in the uh, the fourth round pick when they wanted to bring over DJ as well. So that is the rumors that have been out there, and most of that you can find on the Arizona side because Arizona is already celebrating how many victory laps they took. There's not a lot of information from the Texans side because obviously there's been a lot of blowback on the deal. Now it's tough to have this conversation because it was literally the best deal that was out there, but it was a crap deal. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was just, no matter what way you look at it, it was a crap deal. However, Bill O'Brien is definitely extremely excited about David Johnson. And if you take a look at David Johnson this year versus last year, Dude looks like a different person. Like, I did not realize how much weight he had lost and just how, not necessarily lost, just how he's reshaped his body. Uh, he looks significantly different this year from last year. And it's really easy right now to find the difference in the pictures. You just Google him in a Cardinals, universe, or Cardinals uniform versus a Texans uniform, and it just will pop out. So David Johnson's going to be a great player for us. He really is. Like, I, there's no doubt on it. He may have missed a couple of games because they're running back and running backs miss games, but he's going to end up being a, a Texans fan favorite. I have no doubt about that. Jordan, do you see his cuts um, in the scrimmage? The only reason I bring that up to you is because you, uh, of the video you put together. Yeah, I, I saw them. I don't like it from the angle that they take it at because it's, like, on, like, ground level, you know what I mean? So I can't. it's hard to actually see how much space they create. But I mean, it looked fine. It it didn't look. It just looks horrible. It's kind of hard to tell. It looks smoother than than it did in the in your video breakdown. It looked a lot more fluid. It didn't look like you had to take like seven steps to. Correct. One there step. was no gathering. Yeah. yeah, and the thing about David Johnson that I I realized is like all the Cardinals, most of the, I won't say all, but most of the Cardinal fans that I've interacted with and talked about too with, they're all very optimistic and they all see that. Like you said, he's a completely different player. They said that like his last year, he he came in a little bit clunky, and and now he and they're all like very happy for him. They all want the best for him, and they all believe that he's going to succeed better. So I think that says a lot for coming from the team that he's previously on. Well, um, I mean, you got to think about it just from a perspective of having that many injuries that many years in a row. Like he could not yeah. take care of himself properly. If you go back and you look at his last healthy season, dude put people on skates. He did. If that, the only film you take a look at are his 
essentially two seasons where he's healthy, half a season, full season, half a season, he put people on skates. We get that David Johnson, we're in good shape. We don't get that David Johnson, he's still going to be all right. Not going to be great, but he'll be all right. Yeah, and then I think the second part that I was going to add to the, the trade talk, like, yeah, it was, it was all about the second-round pick. Um, and so I think fans kind of have to start looking at the trade more of Hopkins for Blacklock rather than Hopkins for David Johnson. And then when you talk about a freak defensive tackle who, you know, some people will compare him to Aaron Donald. I won't give him that high of praise yet, but that's the mold that he's in. And especially now that we're making the system change that allows him to play to his strengths, he has all the potential in the world to become that type of player. And that's a very, very valuable player. Um, in my opinion, is more valuable than a running back that people want to talk about. Oh, the value of training a wide receiver for a running back isn't good. If you can get an Aaron Donald type, that's way more valuable than a, than a star wide receiver, in my opinion. I agree. All right. All right. Next one comes from Michael George. He says, how do you compare and contrast the former head coaches that had coached the Texans in year past and Bill O'Brien? If you're going to compare – oh, Lord, this lost me. Okay, how would you so basically how would you compare Bill O'Brien and and Kubiak? I think that's probably as far as we should go back. Or yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think you know with Kub, he came like he was very predictable. Um, wasn't very aggressive at times, which is very similar to Bill O'Brien. Um, was a players' coach, but never like really ever got us. He got us as far as Bill O'Brien's gotten us, and yeah. he was he had more time. Um, he, he never had a quarterback, so, I mean, he did. He had Schaub, I guess. You know, I know we downplay Schaub, but, I mean, Schaub is nowhere near Deshaun level. Uh, he always had an amazing defense. And defenses were just always good. Uh, I don't know really know how you compare the two, to be honest with you. Like, it, it, rosters change so much. Like, it, yeah. it's like it's like comparing, like, Jordan to Kobe and things of that nature. Like, you really can't. Things have changed. Different eras. It's different eras. Like, now it's more of a passing league than it was back then. At that time, it was ground and pound. Um, so, I, I like Bill O'Brien better than Gary Kubiak. I know a lot of people want to see Gary Kubiak here because of, the you know, the rollout and play action and things of that nature. They all think he's Kyle Shanahan Sr., basically. But I, I never saw that from Kubiak. I never saw create two – like, he, he could be creative at times, but it was never consistent enough for me. That's that's exactly where I was going to go with it. I was going to say, is it like kind of the chicken or the egg thing with him and Kyle Shanahan? Who made who? Because I feel like Kubiak, obviously, he came up with the system, not came up with the system, but he had the system in place at first and, and taught Kyle, but he hadn't gotten to it to the point where he'd mastered it in his time with the Texans. And Kyle Shanahan, he took it and he ran with it and he added his own stuff. And then the, the whole tree is just insane. But Kubiak, I he was a great, he was a solid coach, but he's nothing like... I'm not, like, screaming for him to come back or anything. No, I I actually loved Coops. I, I really did. However, his creativity was kind of limited to the running game. And yeah. he, Shanahan took that running game and added oh. a passing game to it. So I honestly, I it's almost painful for me to say this in a lot of regards, but Bill O'Brien's the better coach. But... I think Coobs was the better offensive coordinator. Mm. And that's surprising to say, but, you know, let's let's be honest. How frustrated were we with Coobs? I mean, how how pissed off did we get watching those games? 
And I remember screaming at the TV because he was so freaking conservative. And all the things that everybody gets mad about at Bill O'Brien for, for game management and substitutions and playing guys and letting them get hurt, Kubiak did the exact same thing. The exact same thing, almost to a T that I, me and James have joked about it, that is that a requirement to be a Texans coach? So I like the energy that Bill O'Brien brings. I like the aggressiveness that he has shown. What frustrates me about Bill O'Brien, and I don't know what it is, maybe it is Houston, maybe it's being away from Belichick, is Bill O'Brien gets conservative sometimes. He's a better coach when he's aggressive. He's a better coach when he's going out and he's and he's pushing it. And when he gets when he turtles, that's when he's a crap coach. Yeah, that's a good take. All right, next one from Barry Allen, eight nine nine. He says, "Give me your kind of weakest and strongest links on offense and on defense, excluding, of course, Deshaun Watson." We're back to you, James. Or sorry, John. I'm sorry, I missed the first part of the question. All right. Um, the weakest and strongest links on offense and defense, apart from Deshaun. Um, on defense, it's the second safety. Uh, we kind of talked about that during the review. Um, more nervous about them than any position group we've had since the offensive line for the past two years. Um, we have a good offensive line now, so that safety group is now the area where I'm concerned, especially since that used to be a, a position of such strength for us. Now, on offense, that's a very interesting question because I think we have a very strong offense. That's part of the reason why I'm so optimistic about this this year. We have our deepest offense at every single position. Offensive line, tight end, wide receiver. The only position that we are one player deep is fullback. And, I mean, I I imagine Aikens could do an emergency fullback role, and we don't really even use that that often. So it doesn't really matter that we only have one player at fullback that we can kind of sort of trust. So weakest, um, maybe backup quarterback, because I don't want to see a lot of A.J. McCarron. Because, um, honestly, our offense should be – this should be one of the better offenses. If not – I'd actually – you know what, I'm going to put it out there. This will be the best Texans offense that we've ever seen. Oof. I will put that out there. I will put that out into the ether. Yes, I know that Kubiak got shot to lead the league in passing one year, but this offense will be better than that offense. We have all the personnel for you. I, I can definitely see that. All comes down to play, Colin. All right. Um, I guess since you gave all the weak links, I'll give all the strong strong links. Is that a word? I don't know. That's what, how they worded it. But um, offense, I guess it's got to be the wide receiver depth. Is you can't really point to like one person. You kind of just have to say it as like a whole unit. Um, legit four deep, veteran wide receivers, all proven, all have – Two of them have lead speed, Stills is, is right behind them, and then Cobb, another very valuable solid receiver. We talked about them a whole lot. We don't got to do a lot of talking with wide receivers. Strong point on defense. Oof. It, it should be our cornerbacks, and that's going to kind of co- contradict what I was saying earlier about how I'm kind of worried about them, but theoretically all healthy and Lonnie Johnson improving, that is our strong point. Um, you're talking Gary on Conley and Lonnie Johnson on the outside with Roby in the slot. That's always been my dream. We've got the versatility to put Roby outside, maybe John Reed in the nickel, who's had a great camp. Um, so those cornerbacks really excite me. They're young also, and they're only going to get better. That would definitely be my strong point. Strong link? I don't remember. All right, another one from Cody Johnson. He says, while it's going to be unpopular, while it's 
yeah, while it's going to be unpopular, give me a little devil's advocate here, but was giving the 57th pick for Cooks in the 2020 draft too high of a pick considering, number one, Cooks' bad year, to his concussion history, and the talent that was still on the board, especially on defense in terms of the draft. James, what are your thoughts on 57th pick? Uh, honestly, no. Um, and I think that we it's been talked about enough this year. Like, it's going to be very hard. It's not like Jalen Rieger uh, or C.D. Lamb uh, were on the board. We're talking about, you know, Denzel Mims. Uh, we're not talking about guys that were going to come in and were known to be productive immediately and make an impact. Um, given the Do we office, really think Dan, I'm sorry. I just want to lay this out there. Do we really think Dan Jefferson's better than Cooks? No, I don't. Not the whole world. No, I, I think he could be. He could be. But I don't, I don't think... Anybody could be. I don't think I mean, he is. <laughs> right, but that's what I'm saying, and this is all, like, that's kind of the type of question it is. Could be, maybe, like, there's a lot to it. But I'd rather take a guy that has had four years of over 1,000 yards and had one bad season with a team that has the quarterback where everything is schemed specific to the quarterback and them have a down year as an offense and... Also have insurance for Will Fuller from a speed perspective. So if Fuller goes down, Stills can insert, Cooks is still there. I just when I look at the overall like thought of this team and the offense and the way it's built, I would still make that I would make that pick now. Um, I, I don't see a player at fifty seven coming in and making an impact the way that Cooks potentially can. Uh, and also I think like a lot of it that goes into this trade for Cooks is the fact that, you know, Jack Easterby was there in in New England, you know, he spent time with him. He has a relationship with him. He knows what he's capable of. It's a guy that he's been around. I think that all plays a part. You want players that you're familiar with, that are familiar with your offense. Cooks comes in day one and should be fine. Uh, I would take Brandon Cooks for the 57th pick. I wasn't really I – mean, I like Van Jefferson. I just don't know if he fits the need of this team. Yeah. If we had to take Van Jefferson at the 57th pick, our offense would not be as good this year. And that's what it's about, this year. Now, three years from now, maybe Jefferson's better, but that's how long it's going to take. And that's a big maybe. Right now, Cook's way better than the 57th pick. Yeah, I think just to look at a couple of the other names on the board, the one that sticks out for me was Denzel Mims, who everyone was in love with. People compared him to DeAndre Hopkins. But again, to James' point, that's not what we needed on the offense. That's not what we wanted to build the offense around. You needed someone who could be the fuller replacement because you can't keep having the volatility that they had of Fuller's in, top five offense, Fuller's out, bottom five offense. You cannot have that anymore. I wanted them to operate like Will Fuller wasn't even on the team, and that's what they did with Fuller. They took that, or sorry, with Cooks. That's what they did. They took the risk. I think it works out. You talked, Cody mentioned the defensive talent. I'm looking at the board here. Yeah, there was Christian Fulton. I don't think we were ever going to uh, draft like an outside corner like that. Um, Ashton Davis, a safety, he would have been cool to pair with. Um, Justin Reed, they're kind of very similar players. Zach Bond, he was my guy, but if Jacob Martin's getting the snaps he deserves, then that's fine. So I don't know. I, I'm definitely okay so, with the coach. Jordan, the coach would you rather have any of those defensive players over Cooks for this year? I mean, if you're looking at it in a vacuum just one year, hell no. That's the way I Cause even, Because even Ross Blacklock at 40. Right. Are you going to take, like, you don't know, right? Bill O'Brien doesn't like his rookies, so. Well, on top of that, on top of that, if you didn't, I mean, Let's see. So you would have 40 and 57. I mean, I just – I guess you could switch it, right? So who is available at 40? Um, 40. 
in terms of like wide receivers, yeah. LaVisca Chanel, there's KJ Hamler, he was a speedster. Uh, Chase Claypool, but he's kind of different type of speed. In terms of defense, Grant Delpit was there, but he got injured. Yeah, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do with him. He's wide receiver for the Steelers. So Grant it was AJ Epinesa that a lot of people liked. Eh. I would still probably rather have Cooks. Yeah, me too. Because it just changes so much things for the offense. I mean, like, one guy like that on the offense can change the offense a lot more than one guy on the defense like that, especially a rookie. I agree, especially given, like, the new – a new yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and then so he did add short-term and long-term answers, please. So I think we all kind of gave the short-term answer of looking at this year, definitely Cooks. Long-term, we, we're kind of wishy-washy on it. Like, it depends on the player. Um, looking at the wide receivers out on the board, like, okay, Mims I can see being better than Cooks in, in three to five years. Van Jefferson, I don't think he'll ever be. He's a – I love him. I absolutely love him. Great Amazing route runner. route runner, but he doesn't have the same athleticism that Cooks does to have that higher potential. So, yep. Hamlin, if he figures out how to catch, maybe. Like, he's a speedster. He he has the potential to be something special, but it's potential. Cooks is a pretty safe bet. Hamler is a smaller fuller. Yeah. That's, that's what he is. All right, next I like one the word from, that you put there, smaller. Yeah. He's like 5'8", some, something crazy, like 160, soaking wet. Um, all right, next one from Sri Murali. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he says, will PJ Hall make the final 53? Um, I think we're at John. What do you think yes. about CJ Hall? I think so. Quick answer, yes. All right. Yeah. I think so, too, uh, especially – sorry, sorry to cut you off. You oh, I was on. just going to say, just quickly, based on Texans PR actually saying his name after a couple of the training camps, then, yeah. I think that usually if they get talked about a lot, they're either going to get looked, looked to either move them or they're going to make the team, the guys that they're trying to keep quiet. Because you got to think about it this year is a little bit weird. Not only the preseason games are just as much for these guys to get tape out there. Otherwise, these guys would have already been picked up or they would have been drafted, all these guys that are about to be roster cuts. There's no preseason games. There's very little training camp coverage. There's no way for scouts to find the guys that can actually play. So they've got to go with their initial reactions. So somebody like P.J. Hall who has tape out there, who has this rumor that he's having a, a good camp with the Texans after he got into shape, yeah, he's making the team. I think the thing that made it most evident is Albert Huggins being being cut because those two are the guys, it's kind of the, them, and we talked about Carlos Watkins as well. I think Watkins, because he has seniority, he's going to be on the team. Um, and then with Huggins gone, I don't know the exact number of defense, interior defensive linemen we're at, but it seems like P.J. Hall, he should make it for sure. Or at least practice squad protected. All right, next one from Connor. He says, what is your Deshaun Watson salary prediction? So for his new contract, James, g- give me a number. Um, I think it'll be anywhere from 40 to 41, probably annually. So he wants a three-year deal, which is smart. So three years, 128, 130. Yeah, that's, that's what I'd probably go with as well. I think, I think the thing with his is... All guaranteed. It's be yeah, all guaranteed. That's exactly. Uh, it's all, all guaranteed. guaranteed. The entire is contract is guaranteed. With yeah, injury, think, with injury protections in the contract language. So. I think there'll also be a lot of incentives because that's kind of how our new contracts have been um, created. He deserves it. I agree. <laughs> he deserves all of it. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of incentives also to get him up to like even closer to the 50 range. Um, he wins MVP, wins Offensive Player of the Year, all that stuff. So yep. he's gonna get paid. All right. Um, another one from Michael George. He says, "Oh, this is a tough question. What's Bill O'Brien's legacy going to be when it's all said and done?" And how do you rank him among all of the 32 NFL head coaches in the league? We kind of said he's probably, like, bottom third. And then, I don't know, his legacy, like, you can't tell. I don't got a crystal ball like he does. Like, I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, what was Andy Reid's legacy before last season? Like, I think it was, it was pretty much like, oh, this guy's never been able to get it done. And then year 20, you know, he's able to get it done. I don't know. I mean, we had that conversation, I think, a couple months ago, like, yeah. You really can't define a legacy in five years. It's going to take some time. I'd like to see, obviously, the legacy be an ideal one for that's uh, best for the Texans fan base. Um, I, I, Bill O'Brien's here to stay. I don't care what you guys say in the comments. I don't, I don't care what you think happens this season. Bill O'Brien is here to stay. Unless he goes 2-14, and 14, Bill O'Brien is here. So, yeah. Here's what I'll say is if he stays with Deshaun Watson – He's gonna have a very good legacy. Right. If he if he loses him, not looking so pretty. Fair. I think that's the best way to put it. All right. Next one from Mark Kubeska. He says, "Could a backfield with Duke, David, and Leonard for net work?" I personally don't think there'd be enough carries to go around. I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier in the show, but John, give me your thoughts on on Leonard Fournette. I'm I'm torn because he's productive. He's very productive. You take his. I think they said you took if you take his best 16 games against David Johnson's best 16 games, he blows them out of the water. Um, however, they both deal with injuries. And then the rumor out of Jacksonville is that the team, not the management, the team wanted him gone, that he's, an, that he's a jerk in the locker room. Now, maybe getting released was his plan. Maybe... He's one of those guys, he's got enough talent that he's almost worth a headache, but he's a running back. And I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I, it's one of those where hopefully he sits for a couple of weeks and if, if there's an injury or something like that, God forbid, then then he's a great free agent pickup if you need him. Um, if something happened to one, to one of them. But... I mean, he. I don't want to spend any money on him. Like, if he was free in a heartbeat, but I think that there's other places they can put their resources. Well, now I think because he has clear waivers, so we don't got to take on most of his salary or part of his salary, so we can sign him to a one-year prove-it deal like we kind of gave Carlos Hyde, and I would be completely fine with that. I think the positives for Leonard Fournette, for me, they kind of outweigh the negatives. Um, he's the exact type of bruising back that we need. Because as great as as much as I love the David John the D Johnsons and as valuable as they are, we don't have that kind of third down goal line. You need like fourth and one kind of running back, right? And that would be pretty valuable with Leonard Fournette. And um, what was I going to say? The other thing. Oh yeah, the other thing is. But do you he, think he's going to swallow his pride enough to to be that? Somebody's going to offer him a lot of carries. I don't know what other what other team like no one has reached out yet. I feel like I don't know where else he's going to start. Yeah, but he I also already said he wants to go win. He said winning is the most important thing. Well, he's he not going to go to one of those. He wants to be out of a bad situation, but he wants to go someplace where he's going to touch the ball. He, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be L.A. or Atlanta. Um, but 
Yeah, he's... I get it, and I get the appeal of him. However, I think that that role that you're talking about doesn't really exist in the Texans' offense anymore. The fullback, uh, the dives. What they're going to do is they're going to go with Deshaun, some sort of read option. Um, those... Those actually have a higher success rate than a than a fullback dive at, at this point, and just bringing somebody in to do just that play. Granted, Fournette can do a lot more than just that that type of play. I don't I don't get the whole like there's not enough carries thing because if it's me, yeah, and I can get him on a cheap deal, and my two other guys are complaining about carries, but we're winning, and they're not getting their body worn down throughout the season. Exactly. I, I almost think it's the most ideal situation to always have a fresh top-tier running back on the field at any given time. Like, imagine lining up – like, we always talk about, like, the, the possibilities of David and Duke lining up in the backfield. Okay, now line up Leonard and Duke, or Leonard and David. Now you have to account for Leonard. You have to account – you're going to have to stack part of that box. Somebody's going to have to drop down. Just – to ensure that he does not rip one, because he's ripped multiple, even as big as he is, he's ripped them. So I don't know, man. I, I, I you're I, not you're not wrong, not at, not in the least, but I still think that there's something of an ego there. Like they so. know that this is he's not going to really have a lot of chances to make a lot of money, and he's going to want to go to a position where he's going to win, and it's going to put him in position to get a better contract because he's. I don't think he's going to get a, a vet prove it deal. He's going to get more than that, but he's not going to get what he wants. And he's going to want to go somewhere that can showcase what he can still do. Maybe. That's fair. I think the last thing I just want to touch on is in terms of like him being a cancer in the locker room or whatever. I think it's more of just Jacksonville and the situation. I mean, you would want to talk about every single star player wanting out, Ramsey, Ngakwe, um, like even Calvin Smith retired, I know it was like for health reasons, but also it's got to be like your team is not doing shit, right? So I don't know. There's something also brewing there. So I don't, I don't want to just say that he's a cancer right away. I don't know enough, but it'll be an interesting talking point for weeks coming. All right, next one from our very own Patrick Storm. He says, oh. "What if the Texans had traded DeAndre Hopkins for Alvin Kamara <laughs> instead of David Johnson?" Well, one, Alvin Kamara is a great running back and would be ideal to have on any team, all 32 teams in the NFL. But, you know, I like what David brings as a runner compared to what Alvin brings as a runner. You know, Alvin's more specific. He's more Christian McCaffrey. Um, you can't really deny the talent of Alvin Kamara, though, either. So, I mean, you know, if I if, – if I had a crystal ball and I was making that decision and I knew four months later that that was going to be the case, sure. Like, who wouldn't? Alvin Kamara. Yeah, if I had a crystal a, ball and I could put Kamara and Fournette in the same backfield. He's a top five running back. You know? League. Like, why would you not have Kamara over DJ? But, I mean, that's not the situation. But Hopkins for Kamara straight yeah. up, I still would not think that. I would think that that is actually just as good of a return as what we got to be honest with you. If it's just Alvin Kamara and no draft picks, I would rather, if it's if it's either Alvin Kamara for D-Hop or DJ and the draft pick, for a, I think I'd actually still go DJ and the draft pick. Because you're That's looking, fact. Good. Because you got to pay Kamara 
15 mil plus Correct. for another next four or five years. Correct. So that sucks. That really sucks. And that second round pick, like you, like we've been talking about, about Ross Blacklock, very valuable player. So yeah, and you just don't have many like you don't have any many other like draft choices like this year, next year. Like we still have one more year to go without a first round pick, without a second round pick. So you know, I don't know. I think it was a more valuable. And who's yeah, to say that the uh, Saints would even do that deal? Yeah, Michael I was thinking about the Spider-Man gif of the two same players, Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins, the exact yeah. same thing. So, I don't know. All right, next one from Jacob, oh, Lord, Quintanilla. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. If you had to pick a coach right now to replace Bill O'Brien, who would it be and why? Man, we're getting a lot of Bill O'Brien hate. I don't know where this is coming the from. The week before the kickoff, too. I know, <laughs> right? This is when uh, Kool-Aid's supposed to be at the highest. Oh, yeah, I thought people were turning around. I mean, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. They didn't put any restrictions. They didn't have to say that they were available. I'd take Kyle Shanahan. I'd, trade, I'd love to bring him back to Houston. Oh, see, I wouldn't go Kyle Shanahan. I would actually I would trade like a first-round pick for Sean McVay. I couldn't imagine what Sean McVay would do with Deshaun. Like, we look at what he's done with Goff, who is not a talented quarterback, and we look at the schemes and what he's able to do, and then you add Deshaun Watson to a coach like that who's creative and able to get – I mean, look, like, didn't Goff throw for, like, 4,800 yards one year? Like, imagine Deshaun Watson with Sean McVay. Like, I don't know, man. I think Sean McVay would be a very interesting one, and I, I don't think – I think he's held back by his quarterback. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a different direction here. I'm gonna go with John Harbaugh, with the Ravens. You guys are kind of going more like offense specific. I get that because that's what our team is about. But I think I'm tired of the head coach takes over play calling duties and all that stuff. I want someone who's gonna okay. distribute the tasks, tasks and hire great players. He has the two pro- arguably best coordinators in the league, two of the top ones, and he's also someone who. Your team never gives up on. They're always fighting for him. He's great at empowering players, all that stuff. So I would go him, probably. And he's also the most, like, proven guy out of all the guys that we've listed. He's the yeah, guy that gets Jeff- zero respect around the league. Yeah. Nobody seems to understand how good of a head coach John Harbaugh is. On top of that, how good of a man he is and, how, and like, the balance he has of, like, strict and stern, but, like, players coach, too. Like, players love him. They want to play for him. Like, I think John Harbaugh is like a top three head coach in this league. Easily, easily. All right. And I'm just going to throw it out there because Chad also said a really good one. Sean Payton's one of my favorite coaches in the league. James is making faces, but Sean Payton, granted, he, he took Drew Brees, who was let go by the Chargers, because Drew Brees wasn't the Drew Brees that he is now, and turned him into the Drew Brees that is now. Sean Payton also found Tony Romo in Dallas. Him with quarterbacks, I would trust him with any any quarterback out there. I like him over over Sean McVay. I don't think Sean McVay is good at adjusting. I think he's good at having a game plan, but I don't know. Anyways. Next one from uh, JMindB15. He says, what if the Texans hit... Oh, wait. That was literally the exact same thing that Pat said. All right. What if the Texans tried Nuke for Kamara? Um... Who else? Okay, from my very own Paul Hamlin. Um, great intern at, at Texan Filter. Appreciative of you very much. He says, what are the chances of A.J. Moore actually having a significant role in the defense? And I love this question. 
And I know we all love this question because A.J. Moore has been one of the standouts of camp and his energy, his fire, his, everyone loves to play with him. Every, the coaches love him. Everyone loves him. And he's been getting to talk about that third safety role. What do you guys think about him? Yeah, we talked about him. We did our safety review uh, earlier in, in the episode. I love A.J. Moore. Uh, outside of training camp this season, he's also shown on film in years prior that he's a very capable safety he can play both single high, but he can also play in the box. He's not the best tackler, but he's able to tackle. Um, I, I think A.J. Moore has an opportunity to kind of dethrone Eric Murray at that number two spot leading into week six, week seven. <coughs> so I just think A.J. Moore is like that type of player. I mean, there's a reason why they've kept him around for so long. Um, this isn't the first camp that he's had where he's been the talk of camp. And I think this is the year where they start to, especially with Weaver, I think that they give him the opportunity to take that second safety spot next to Justin Reed. The thing that I haven't, I haven't watched his tape as extensive as I have with some other players, but the thing that he, when I was watching other players and he would pop off the film, is always when he was blitzing. And Weaver, he loves his DB blitzes. And even when they did that first scrimmage, I forget the reporter, but he was reporting and, man, these blitzes, these pressures are coming from everywhere. And if, and if Texans fans want like an exotic defense, this is what they're going to get. And I know A.J. Moore is definitely very good at timing blitzes, and he's fast, he's an athletic dude. So that's definitely where we can see him come in. I think we're – I'm not so sure he's going to unseat Eric Murray um, just because of the, the money that we paid him. And also you don't really see like a lot of key special teamers starting. But I do see him playing a lot in dime packages as that money backer, um, coming on their downs cover, blitz, whatever it is. Um, I will think he'll play a, a big – Cody, get out of here. I'm not recording with you tomorrow anymore. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, I think I have one. No, that was it. That was it. No more questions for me. Yeah, that was a lot of questions tonight. That was. That's good. All right, cool. It's a good thing we're not doing anything Patreon related tonight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I think that's really it. You guys got anything else? Anything else you guys want to say? Nine days away. Jordan, are you going to join us for the Watson cast next week where all we talk about is Deshaun Watson and kick off the season, or are we just going to do questions and answers? Is that what it is next week? Yeah. Oh, man. I have done so much to Sean Watson over this offseason. Okay. <laughs> you should, that's that's right. I'll, should be there. Yeah, I'll come. I'll come. Okay. I, I've, I've been, like, reviewing some stuff, and so I have a lot of stuff of, like, the improvements that he's made, and so that'll be good to talk about. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for joining the stream. Make sure you guys hit the click, like, and, or click, like, and subscribe button. Um, make sure you guys go to our Patreon, follow us on Twitter, follow the entire Texans Unfiltered team on Twitter. You should know where to find them by now. Uh, and with that being said, oh, Cobos Q, opening season, opening game event. Make sure you guys come September 10th in Atascacita. Um, and I think that's about it. All right. All right, guys, we will catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way, cause we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. All for one and one for all.